Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio, recorded live at Arrival Bangkok 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. This session, moderated by yours truly, Arrival Managing Editor Jenna Blumenfeld, brings leading operators from across the region to have their say on the big challenges and trends shaping their decisions today and tomorrow. So I'm going to kick this roundtable off by talking about the unique challenges that each of you faces in your business. Um, So kind of what keeps you up at night. So Dennis, why don't you start? What keeps us up at night is trying to get more business, trying to get people to come, enjoy themselves, and uh, decent profit margins. Decent profit, okay. Now, John, I know that you told me earlier that you sleep quite well at night, actually, but is it, what, what kind of barriers are you facing in your business? Look, for me, uh, I like to think of uh, where is the future heading and how can we, as operators, stay ahead of what might be overrunning our businesses. So in order to do that, we have to try a lot of different things. So, so for me, it's about how do I take advantage of all the things that my company has to offer without someone else taking too much of a slice. All right. And Taco, what about you? Well, in addition to, to what, uh, what the gentleman says, uh, for Japan, a lot of people are having a language uh, issue trying to uh, make sure uh, guests get into the meeting point on time is kind of, um, sometimes we make a lot, a lot of, we receive a lot of phone calls, oh, I'm lost, I don't know where to go. So um, I, we want to make sure everybody is there on spot. And you mentioned earlier that um, one of the things that your company does is really excels in creating that, that kind of complicated itinerary for travelers. Can you talk a little bit about that? So we have uh, two business pillars. Uh, we are the platform for the experience uh, activities and tours, but also we are DMC. Now, uh, DMC, we have uh, our main target is like Westerners uh, from people from US and Europe coming to Japan for two weeks, three weeks. Um, they don't know the best way to go around the country. Um, a lot of people look up on the internet to search where to go, what to do, how to go, but it, most of the information are still written in Japanese, and they don't know if that, that is the, uh, the best way to, uh, or best route to go for the sightseeing, so we help with itinerary making. Wonderful. Um, so Dennis, I, in the first six months of your business, you had a couple challenges because there are some issues happening uh, in, in Bangkok. Um, can you explain how, what those issues were and also how you rose above them? I think uh, sometimes, depending on where you operate, there are local issues. For example, earlier in the year, there was the preparation for the political transition. So that kind of uh, affected us a little bit. The, with regard to the local market, it was about uh, a wait-and-see approach. 
then during the elections period, uh, the tourist numbers actually dipped. And then slowly it started to come back. Some of the, some of the things we did was, of course, rely a lot on our OTAs to build the, the uh, tourist numbers, which actually year to date has gone up compared to last year by about 66 to 70 percent. Okay. So it was definitely a partnership between your OTAs that you work with and you? Definitely. It, I think it helped us to tide over some parts of the business, but there's also many things that we have to look at uh, and try to solve, and some things we, which is beyond our control. Awesome. Um, I'd like to talk about a topic that's likely on everyone's mind, and that is growth. And growth can be hard to quantify, right? Because you're all different operators. So, John, you started out as a kayak operator, so, and now you're much larger than that. And so what, what kind of decisions did you have to make in order to grow? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, actually. I remember we opened back in 2004, and I was essentially one of the kayak operators and rock climbing instructors. And uh, there was a group, we, we trained up 10 of us at the time, and now we have a workforce over 200. And uh, I've got four of my team here with me today, which is, which is great. Um, we're on cruise ships. Uh, we have uh, eight businesses on an island. We do 300 weddings a year. We're in multiple locations. And it was, it was very, very difficult to get past a number of stages. So a lot of that growth was coming up with new products and new opportunities. And others were finding smaller businesses that weren't operating too well, purchasing them and increasing the size of the business. For me, it's, it's, it's so much about having access to finance and finding really good people to work with. So one of my strategies is the people who are working with you, seeing how they can step up and become really good, effective managers, manage a portion of your business while you can look at expanding it further. Wonderful. And Taka, your business has grown quite considerably as well. So what considerations do you take um, when you're trying to add new employees? Um, so we work with um, about 15 OTAs, and, wow. and we, also have, um, we also sell tours and activities on our website. And we are like international kind of stuff. Uh, we have stuff from Mexico, Mexico, America, Australia, and like we have half American, half Japanese. We have a lot of uh, um, employees who can look at the programs or design the programs from international or Westerners or Asian point of view. And um, a lot of OTAs are there, and each OTA has a different target segment. Uh, we don't try. To, we don't sell the same program on all OTAs. Uh, we try to upload the products that are designed for their uh, target customer segment. And that's how we uh, grow um, the business, and that's how we work with uh, employees. And that's what I consider when I'm adding uh, employees as well. Wonderful. So OTAs, good or bad? It's hard to say it's good and bad. It's good because we, we have... Um, we will have more contact point with our customers. And it's a little bit bad. Uh, it's because more local suppliers are starting to work with direct with OTA. So that means I'm losing a few uh, you know, suppliers. Mm -hmm. John, we spoke, spoke uh, earlier in the week, and you mentioned that some of your direct booking sales were going down as you continued to work with OTAs. 
Um, so how do you negotiate that? How do you balance working with OTAs and also maintaining your, your direct bookings? Well, look, I, I have an idea for the future. And um, I think the more that I've been working with other operators around me, the more I've noticed that if you recommend other tours, then people will go from you and they'll go directly to other tours as well. So I think the, the OTAs are going to be great for business when you've got heaps of capacity. If you don't have a lot of capacity and you want to make sure that you're getting the most money that you possibly can, getting those direct bookings is really, really important. And it's amazing how so many people, they arrive in market and they decide what to do there and then. And there's a couple of ways of doing that. You can pull out your mobile device or you can listen to other people who have been on tours and those other tour providers around you. So for me, I think there's a huge opportunity for the regions to bring all the operators together and be able to share all that information and work together a lot more effectively. Wonderful. And Dennis, uh, how, do, how do folks find out about your attraction? Of, uh, I'm sorry, like most other uh, companies and operators, we do have our own website. But at the same time, when we use the OTAs, they sort of extend that distribution, they extend the awareness, they also help us promote on occasion. Um, but like what John said, you know, it's a bit of a balance that sometimes right. you need to have. And uh, can you describe if your, um, your attendees or your guests, are they mostly international or are they more domestic? Our guests, being in Thailand and being in Bangkok, our guests tend to be, or sorry, our visitors tend to be more local. So this year, about 25% are from overseas. Mm -hmm. We also consider the expatriate community here local. Okay. Yeah. And what, uh, one more question Sorry. for you. Um, how do you drive same store growth? Same store growth. How do, you, how do you drive growth in your attraction and get repeat customers? In terms of, um, we try to do it as best as possible through the experience itself, trying to get good reviews, trying to also uh, make sure that everyone leaves happy. Um, that's pretty much the service industry, you know. Just always making sure that someone leaves happy and has exactly. a good positive experience. Everyone agrees with that? <laughs> More importantly, if they go online and start to encourage others to come as well. Right. So I'd love to know from all of you, what kind of customer behaviors and traveler trends are you seeing um, that's really driving change within your business? John, do you want to start with that? Sure. Um, one, of the, one of the trends that, that I've seen over probably the past almost 10 years is a lot of our Asian visitors are becoming a lot more risky with what they do. Mm -hmm. There was once a time where I found it very, very difficult to have Chinese visitors go snorkeling with me. They would rather stand on the boat and feed the fish rather than get in the water and swim around with the fish. Hmm. So I found um, what I needed to do was I needed to encourage them to do that by having Chinese-speaking staff and letting them know that it was okay, you're going to be fine. And by having people in the water with them that could speak their language and could travel with them and giving them good flotation devices and also having video of other Chinese people 
then after a while they, they thought, well, I, I have to have this experience. I've come all the way to Australia. I'm, I'm on the reef and I need to have this experience. So we've, we've noticed that people are going a little bit further out of their comfort zones now. Okay. Kalko, you're nodding your head. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do agree. And from, in my case, um, so, so let's talk about the Asian uh, trend a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I started this company five years ago, and five years ago there were uh, many Asian people, travelers. Uh, most of them are first-timers, so um, the popular products were like a city sightseeing, joining bus tour, or chartering the vehicle for the city sightseeing, especially for families with small kids or babies. Now, uh, and another good selling product is go-kart uh, experience mm -hmm. in Tokyo, so you get to wear the Mario uh, costume. So it's like a real Mario Kart, um, except that you cannot throw bananas or something. <laughs> um, but uh, so a lot of sightseeing, um, regular sightseeing, these activity was uh, popular. But from last year, I'm starting to receive bookings uh, of uh, programs that are about uh, learning Japanese cultures or uh, traditions. For example, going to um, um, watch the sumo practice in the morning, uh, washi paper making, uh, learn about the sake and tasting. So uh, many uh, Asian people are starting to have an interest in our uh, culture and traditions. That's the uh, little bit change that I'm seeing. Wonderful. Hey, yeah, Jenna, I just yeah. want to jump in. I want to bring everybody back to that OTA uh, kind of question. I just want to dig in, you know, a little bit more there because there's been a lot of conversation and kind of social media conversation and Twitter. You know, I've been, I've been trying to kind of poke and prod a bit on the whole issue of, you know, discounting and pricing control, and that's been kind of coming, you know, in and out on the on the stage. Each of you have got very different, you know, businesses. You know, a bit more kind of DMC, but customized. You know, John, you've got four different, you know, all, all different sorts of perspectives there. You know, and then Dennis is a, has an attraction. I'd like to know what you're seeing in terms of, you know, pricing pressure from uh, the growth of OTAs, what you are doing to control or try to manage, you know, your pricing versus your direct channels versus OTAs, and maybe also like some guidance. You know, how does a, when does an operator know to, I don't know, exert a little, you know, cut the spigot off, or kind of deal with, you know, deal with some of that? I don't know, maybe, you know, John, you're smiling, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to answer first. <laughs> okay, so that's quite a complex question, and because I've been around since, you know, 2004, I've seen it come in, I've watched what's happened, I've built capacity in my business, and I've also kept my prices quite high so that I can, I can absorb those commission rates. I've seen a lot of things happen, actually. I've, I've seen people start new businesses as trends happened, and then, and then I've seen them use particular channels in order to build their business. And TripAdvisor, for instance, you know, a lot of businesses built themselves on getting really good TripAdvisor ratings. And what they would do is they would encourage all their guests after being on, say, a wine tour, after having a few vinos in the bus and say, could you give us a good rating? And they did. And so all that data was being fed back to TripAdvisor. They were getting to the top of the list. And then people were booking with them. Now things changed as they changed on social media, as they've changed with Google AdWords. So people built small businesses around the fact that they were able to get their customers quite easily. Things are different now. So as we've seen throughout this conference, 
if you go online and search for something, you're going to get a bunch of OTAs up first. So as operators, we need to deal with that. We can't change it. We need to deal with it. And the way we deal with it is we keep our prices firm and we work together and we try and get as much direct booking as possible. But when we can't get that direct booking, we try and get the best possible deal we can with the OTA and then we make sure that we have the right amount of bookings from the OTA. So what we like to do is keep capacity in our tours so that we can get as many of those bookings as possible. And you think about it, if you're paying an OTA 35% commission, you've got 75% left to deal with. Now, you have to make sure that you've got enough fat in your ticket price to be able to do that. And if all your business is coming from the OTAs, you better be making a really big saving on your marketing budget to make sure that you, know, you can survive. Because some businesses are going out of business. The small ones are. Dennis? From a ticket attraction perspective? Well, unlike John, I don't have uh, wine to give to the kids in our facility. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess um, Thailand went through a period of uh, a, a pretty much a difficult period from when we first opened. So we had the riots, the military coup, the bombings. So that was a period we also started working with the whether it's OTAs or even travel agents themselves, and we were pretty much uh, had to give them very low rates to sell. But as time progressed, like what you said, we started to be more firm with our pricing. I think it is a balance that you need to. It is a balance that you need to uh, work with your different uh, travel agents, OTAs, to ensure that they understand where you are at as well, and then to try your best to for a win-win kind of a situation. So sustainability is a key issue, um, I believe, uh, to keep making money and profit so that you don't get go out, out of the business. Um, in, in case of Japan, uh, 20 million people are now coming compared to four or five years ago, and a lot of people are trying, uh, trying to sell the similar uh, product. At the end of the day, it's going, the price erosion is going to happen. So to avoid that, uh, we have to add some values. Uh, for example, watching the cinema practice in the morning, not just bringing them to the cinema stable to watch the practice. We explain the cinema rules, the history, how many hamburgers they can eat in the day, how much, how much beer they can drink. So that kind of information, it's, it's free, no cost. But adding more information to make the keep customers happy and satisfied, that's the key things. Great, thank you. So we have about a minute left. Uh, real quick, one of the greatest attributes of Arrival is getting this entire industry into the same room, right? So in one sentence, can each of you say one thing that you want the OTAs in this room to know? Dennis, why don't you start? One thing, uh, I think there are many things. <laughs> <laughs> But I think uh, if I would like, I would like OTAs to have a... Currently, OTAs have so many different systems. For an operator like us, it's all, almost impossible for us to work with 20, 30 different systems. So if we could have somehow integrate the operating systems to be similar or have some kind of a parallel platform to link, that would be great. Okay. Well, my message to the OTAs is every tour operator out there is important. And the small ones that offer really unique tours 
are the most important ones. So find a way of nurturing those small tour operators and making sure that their great product stays available because that's why people are traveling, to get that great product, not just those ones that can pay really good commission rates. Tarka, do you have a message? Yeah, I would say uh, speed. Uh, is a key issue. It became it's very speedy to reach uh, people on the other side of the earth. Uh, we can reach uh, people in Latin America, people in Africa in like two seconds through internet or through OTAs. So it's really um, a tool to reach uh, global people. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dennis, Sharpie, and Taka. We hope you enjoyed this session from Arrival, the only event dedicated to creators and sellers of tours, activities, and attractions. Head to ArrivalEvent.com to register for upcoming conferences around the globe. And for insights into the in-destination industry, head to Arrival.travel.